Now, I want to finish a series that we've been on. We've been on this series the last five weeks called um, just Good Foundations. And if you've missed any of these uh, parts because you've been away on holiday or any reason, the good news is you can go back to the website, family.church, YouTube, and you can watch the sections that have gone before. But I really want to kind of finalize this series today with a key stone truth that kind of ties everything together. And we've been speaking about keystones that need to be in our lives. So if we're going to build strong lives that can sustain and prevail against any storm, we need to have good foundations beneath our feet. And a person's foundations determine what remains after a storm. And we've been looking at a number of keystone foundations that aren't just good truths in the Bible, but they're truths that hold all other truth together. We've studied together the last few weeks the keystone of grace, righteousness, justification, and last week we looked at the new creation. And there's others that we could be sharing on, like sanctification and the place of repentance in our walking with the Lord. But I really sense just to focus on those ones, the grace of God, which is obviously also the mercy of God, righteousness, justification, and how the Lord has allowed us to become a new creation in him. I want to finish today by about speaking about something that's involved in all of the others that we've spoken about. It's the unseen element that makes every promise and good thing of God given to us happen. I would call it the common denominator, which is obviously faith. Now, I'm just going to touch on faith today. To begin to open up the subject of faith would take many, many weeks, many, many months. But I want to just highlight faith today as the key thing that causes the other things that we've looked at, grace, justification, righteousness, the new creation, to come into reality into our lives because it's an important part. Now, all the things we've looked at so far are entered into, accessed or triggered by us choosing to believe God, placing faith in God. We spoke last week of the statement, Latin statement, sola fide, which means faith alone. Not faith plus, but our simple belief in God can cause us to enter into, access and experience every good thing that the Lord has provided for us in the death, burial and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Now, just to recap a little bit. Number one, we understand that a person is saved by placing faith, simple belief in God's grace, which is his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favour. Number two, we understand that the Bible declares that a person is made righteous and fully, not partially, fully justified through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And number three, a person through new birth can become a brand new creation, innocent and blameless before God for anything they've done by again simply placing faith in Jesus Christ. Other religions have tried to add things to faith. But faith needs nothing added to it. There's things that accompany faith, like wisdom and obedience. Yet faith, which is simple belief in God and the things that he's promised, is all that the Lord requires from us, independent of our intellectual ability, our gender, uh, where we were raised, what nation, what country. We all have this in common. 
but we approach God and his salvation through faith alone, not faith plus anything. So we understand that a new creation life, a brand new beginning that God gives any person that comes to Jesus is the result of somebody simply believing in him. Believing in who God says he is, but also all the things that he said he's done. I've got a couple of bullet points here that just kind of highlight some key things to me. Don't allow people to overcomplicate your faith. It was always meant to be a childlike thing. Sometimes people with good intentions can come and overcomplicate what faith is in our life. When Jesus always intended for it to be childlike in nature, just as a child believes the words of his parent, so God wants us to believe his words, not in a childish way, but in a childlike way. Any parent that's raised children know that, you know, there's that moment in their life where if you say anything, they're going to believe you. If you say you're going to give them something, that's something they know they will receive. Why? Because they have a childlike, not childish, a childlike faith in the promise of their father or their mother. In the same way, this is the relationship that God wants us to have with him. That we believe that he is, but also every promise he gives us, we believe it to be true, simply because he spoke it. And if he spoke it, he's placed his faithfulness on the block it's his reputation in his promise. Another thought is we need to believe in God's promises and understand that when we believe in his promise, he then credits or adds to our account or our lives the things he says he's done or the things he's promised he will do. Again, sometimes people can make faith so complicated they confuse themselves. Yet if we want to see how faith operates, we're to look to a child. I love the way that Jesus drew children to himself and said to those who thought they knew much more, unless you come as a child, unless you can believe like a child, you'll never enter in or fully experience kingdom life like you could do if you approach me with childlike faith. Now we understand but God wants us to believe the things he said. And when we believe the things he said, he then credits or adds to our account outside of our performance the things he said he would. Now, we can look to many people to be examples of working faith in our life. But I believe the greatest person that we can look to to understand a faith that pleases the Lord is Abraham. The Bible says of Abraham that independent if you were born Jewish or Gentile, he's the father of all of those who approach God and his salvation through simply believing. So the Bible declares obviously that God is our father, but also says to those who are believing and trusting God outside of their performance, Abraham is our father in the faith also. So we could look to many people that have written, 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 that's a Stuart mistake there, written dynamic books on faith, or we can simply look to the one who had a faith that pleased God. 
Now, I'm not against reading many books on faith, but I'd rather look to the one that wasn't just a theorist, but a practitioner. But it was said of him by God, I like the way that that man does faith. So let's look to Abraham, shall we, this morning. Romans 4, verses 1 to 3. We've been in Romans a lot. Let's remain in Romans a lot, I say. It says, what then shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter. If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about in his own right, but never before God. What does scripture say? Abraham simply believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness being that which God considers to be right. Now in these simple verses in Romans 4, we see a man modelling faith for us to learn. But the way that Abraham operated in faith was so simple, you have to try to complicate it. He heard what the Lord said about himself and what God was going to do for him and his family. And he stood back, sat in the armchair and said, I believe you are able to do what you've said you're able to do. In that simple thought is every complexity of faith that you could ever pursue. Let's jump down the storyline a little bit further in Romans 4, verses 18 to 24. And this is obviously the moment in Abraham's walk of faith with God, where God had stepped into his world. He was around 100. His wife was not much younger. His wife was barren, which meant she couldn't have a baby, even if she was young enough. And suddenly God steps into this scenario that seems so impossible and says, you're going to have a child born of your wife, Sarah. Now, Abraham had a choice. He could look at that through the senses that enable him to function in life as a human and say, that's not possible. My body's old. Her body's old. She's barren. But yet Abraham chose to lay aside his sense knowledge to say, I don't know how, I don't know when, but if you've said it, so it will be. Let's jump into this storyline. Verse 18, against all hope, that basically means it was hopeless. Hopeless. Now, I believe that there's maybe some people today and you're facing a situation that may seem hopeless. Well, like Abraham, we follow in the footsteps of a man that in his hopelessness had a hope that this world didn't give. And that hope produced for him every miracle that God had promised. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, chose to believe. Hopeless, but he had hope and believed God because God had spoken to him. And so he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him by God. When God said, so shall your offspring be, like the sand on the beach or the stars in the sky. Without weakening in his faith, his childlike belief of God, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise that God had given him but was strengthened in his faith, his believing, 
and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He strengthened himself in hopefulness based on the fact that God was able to do what God had promised. He placed childlike belief in that one thing. This is why it was then credited to him by God as righteousness, the right way to live, the right way to approach God. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, who's our Lord and our Saviour. So what we're seeing is Abraham operating in a very childlike simplicity of believing God. But then Abraham looking behind him and saying to the children who would approach God by faith, that's you and me, just walk in my footsteps. Just walk in my footsteps. The way that you've seen me engage with God and released what God had promised into my world just do the same. Don't add to it. Don't complicate it. But come like a child to, to God and his promises and see what happens. So as children of Abraham, those who now relate to God and salvation by faith, we simply now follow in the footsteps of Abraham. And in doing so, we see miracles come down from heaven, mountains move, things uprooted, thrown into the sea. And we'll finish with those verses a little bit later. We are to now simply hear or know what God is saying and then consider it done in our lives, independent if our, of, a, of if our senses are agreeing. Come on, these are the lessons we learned from Abraham. It said, looking around, he wasn't in denial. He was the first man to say, my body's too old, her body's too old, and a, a womb is barren. He wasn't lowing, la 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 la, it's not happening, it's not happening. He wasn't in denial, he was in faith. He said, this is what it looks like naturally to the human senses that God has given me to function on the earth. But the spirit of God that's now speaking to me is saying, I'm gonna do beyond that. What happens when we hear God say to us something that seems so impossible? What happens when God speaks to our hearts in a situation where everything that's happening looks so real? Do we choose to embrace the reality of the things that are happening? Or do we come to the Father and say, Lord, give me a promise. Give me a promise, just as you did Abraham, for what's happening. And when you give me that promise, like a child, I will believe it until it's added to my life. Faith enters into what has been completed and takes full possession of it. That which God has done, but also that which God is now making available. Is this okay? I just want to teach this so simple because faith should never be difficult. You see, faith in God, specifically for salvation, enters into what's already done and completed. When you believe God for anything regarding salvation, which includes the saving of your soul, your sin forgiven, your body healed. We're not seeing the Lord die on the cross again the moment we believe. 
but rather we enter in to that which he already finished. To me, some of the strongest words in the good news of Jesus is those words, it is finished. It is finished. Now, if we don't understand what's finished, we'll be living waiting for him to complete that which is already completed instead of taking possession of it. See, children of faith don't ask God to do what's already done. They take hold of, access, and possess that which he declared is already settled. So again, I am probably one of the worst people on the planet to try and teach anyone a grammar lesson. If you know me, some of you are nodding. Thank you for your encouragement there. (laughs) But if we approach this through the lens of understanding a grammar context... We understand. I only learned these things when I was like in my 40s. Gina taught me these things. They're called tenses. And everyone's like, everyone knows tenses. I didn't. And I found out, and this was revolutionary to me reading the word when I discovered this, that you have past tense. And I'm serious. I learned this in my 40s. Imagine what I could have done in my 30s. There's past tense. There's present tense. And there's future tense. Past tense is what's happened. Present tense is what's happening. Future tense is what will happen. We need to approach God in believing him according to what's already been done in the past tense, bringing what's done in the past tense in victory in the present tense of what we're experiencing right now. We don't ask God to do what he's already done. We live and take hold of the victory of what is achieved in the past tense of who we are by declaring it and making it our own by faith in our present tense. Now, whenever you look at tenses in the Bible or, or, or anywhere really, anytime, this is genius, I'm like, I'm going to go back to school and learn English or something. This stuff's really blowing my mind. Whenever you see ED after a word, all right, now forgive me, you already know this, this is all new to me, so I'm having a good time with it, all right? When you see ED after a word, it normally means that which is already done and completed. So when we say we're saved, it's already done and completed, and we access that by belief. Sanctified, justified, all of these words end with an ED, which means they're already settled in the past tense. When we believe, we bring the reality of them into our present tense to affect our future tense every time you see that word ed at the end of a word it means it's done it's done it's done the bible says you have been sanctified you have been justified and you are saved What we do when we believe is simply go into the past tense of what is already completed and finalised. And that's why he said it's finished. And we bring the reality of it into our present tense and then walk as those who are saved, who are justified, who have been righteous. Righteous. I put an ED because I can't find it in righteous. Saved. We've got to get the ED behind the things we're asking God to do. Then we'll understand we actually take hold of the things that are already done. Everybody with me? Now, faith is a key. Faith connects us to what is already done. 
the finished work of the cross, everything he achieved to save us, justify us, make us righteous by his grace and his mercy. It's not, Jesus will never die again on the cross for you. He died once for all. He didn't die for the people there at the burial site 2,000 years ago or the crucifixion type. He died for them and you. And every person through the ages, no matter what present tense or future tense they're in, they come and access the benefits of what's completed. How? By coming like a child and believing it's done, it's done, it's done. This stuff will get you healed. This stuff will get you healed. No, I need somebody to grab my head and squeeze it like a watermelon until I... No, no, you can do that. That's one route to healing. Another way is to say, well, wait a moment, Jesus. All of my sin, my sickness, my trespasses, my infirmities, my depressions and my anxieties were laid on the scapegoat of Christ on the cross. And if it's not on me and it's on him and he's made full payment, that means it's paid. Listen, this is why we need these foundations under our feet, guys. So that we're not running around trying to take hold of things we already are in possession of. All right, faith connects us to what he's already done. Faith connects us to what he's doing. And it's how he calls us to live. You know, Jesus says, we walk by faith. Paul taught, we walk by faith and not by sight. How can we talk about faith and not go to Hebrews 11? The great chapter and display or art gallery of those that trusted God when things seemed impossible. If ever you're in a season where things seem impossible, read Hebrews 11 and read about how people that chose to believe God turned impossible situations around. Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 3. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Now, we understand with simplicity that the universes were formed because God said, let there be, right? There's no confusion in my life at all. So actually, I've accessed the whole initiation of a universe simply by believing. So why can't I believe him to heal me of a cold? Because it's the same practicality of believing God. I was speaking to a gentleman that was, um, we were in our, having something to eat yesterday, and I was speaking to a waiter, and I said, hey, where do you stand with the Lord? Where do you stand with God? And that? he said, physics is my God. I said, don't you want to know the one that actually gave physics something to try and study? Wouldn't, don't, you want, don't you want to meet the one that actually gave people that study physics and physics teachers a job? Because I feel sad for physics teachers because they're limiting their understanding of who God is by five senses that were given them to function in humanity with this thing that we wear called skin suit. God is far above any of those things. Far above. But you won't access his understanding Unless you come as a child and say, God, if that's how you say it started, that's how it started. So if we can work out universes by believing God, imagine what else we could do, church. Let me read you that from the Passion Translation. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed 
to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Faith brings from that which is unseen into the seen. Faith brings that which is not yet in being into being. God spoke and things were formed through his word. When we believe God, things that are unseen begin to break through the ground and become seen. But we shouldn't believe in things that are seen to establish their truth. Come on, we do this every year when we look at our gardens. Evidence of nothing. Yet we know plants will break through as will weeds in my case. We need to begin to believe in what God says he's doing in the unseen and then see those unseen things become seen. All right, let me bring this in for a landing. Hebrews 11 verse 6 now. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me read that from the Passion Translation. Without faith living within us, without childlike believing living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, childlike believing, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the believing of those who passionately seek him. So finally, we understand that what we're not saying today is that we place faith in faith, but rather we place faith in God. Sometimes I've heard people teach faith as if faith is the thing. No, no, God is the thing. Faith attaches you to the thing. God is there with his promises, his yes and amens over situations. Faith, like a trigger on a gun, enables you to access, apprehend, take hold of that which God has said is final. Let us never place faith in faith because faith isn't big enough and faith wouldn't want you to do that if you interviewed it. Faith connects you to God. So, no matter how big or mountain-like the thing we are facing is, faith, simple, childlike belief, can bring you into full possession and position of it. Well, I'm not sure that's true. Well, you've already believed for the biggest thing you're ever going to believe for, and that's the saving, the eternal saving of your soul. Everything else is smaller than that, right? Come on, give yourself a pat on the back. You've already believed for God to take your eternal soul from damnation to an eternity of celebration with him. You've already done that. So how small is everything else we're believing for? You see, belief in God can still move mountains. Can still move mountains. Matthew 17, verse 20. This is that moment when the disciples were struggling getting a child free from something that was binding his life. And they come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we do that? And he responds, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith, childlike belief, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, there must have been a mountain nearby and he was pointing to it, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Luke 17 verse 6 is similar when it says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, 
you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. So Jesus is teaching us that it doesn't take a lot of faith to move mountains, uproot things and get things out of where they shouldn't be. Isn't it great that Jesus doesn't say if you have massive faith, start off believing for a donkey's ear to be healed and let's see how we go. Just a little bit of believing him like a child. A little bit of putting his word as the final authority over everything else you've known to be true. Just a little bit can move a mountain, uproot something that should not be rooted. I believe that cancer needs to be uprooted and thrown into the sea. Cancer is destructive. It's a rebellion in the human cells. It needs to be uprooted from people's lives and thrown into the sea. I believe that we're coming, church, into a place of great authority where we're going to begin to see people healed greater than we've ever seen them. Jesus healing them, not us. I believe we're going to begin to see situations turned around. And when they ask us, what did you do to see this? Simple. We became childlike and just chose to believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So as we close, let's remember like Jesus said in Mark 9, 23. You see, everything is possible to those who believe. That wasn't some modern writer in the last few decades. That was the words of Jesus Christ. You see, everything is possible to those who believe. May we approach him daily with childlike faith, not asking him to do the things he's done, but accessing and taking hold of everything past tense into our present tense, giving glory to him in our future tense. Let's be a miracle working people that know it's God being true to everything he's promised us. Never us. That's why glory always goes to him. Father, I pray right now for anyone facing an impossible situation. If that's you, would you stand to your feet right now? There's a situation in your life and it seems impossible, immovable. Would you stand to your feet right now? If there's no one here, that's fine. If you're here, I believe that your humility to stand before the God in this moment could be the thing that triggers something incredible. There's about three other people. Thank you. I'm just going to agree with you. There's about two other people. There's a couple over here that need to be up on their feet. Father, let things... That's it. Father, let things that shouldn't be be uprooted like mulberry trees and thrown into the ocean. Let mountains or mountain-like things that seem impossible be moved in such a way that people know only God could have done that. 
Father, we stand in agreement with every person standing right now for the release of miracles and breakthrough and incredible things that even defy nature happening in their world. Father, I pray that fear would come off of them and faith would begin to beat deep within them for all things are possible to those who believe. Father, we choose to approach you in childlike faith. Like children running to your lap, Jesus, we say, we know that you are true and you do the things you've promised. Father, we thank you for a release of change. Immigration problems changing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Immigration problems changing for families. In Jesus' name. Situations involving parents that are sick. In Jesus' name, situations turning around right now, right now, right now. Arthritis right now, change. Systemic, systemic um, sugar loss or something, or sugar gain. There's something, um, something to do with blood um, and sugar right now. Jesus' name, that comes in, that comes in hyperglycemic, whatever that means, hyperglycemia. Right now, balance comes back into people's systems. Diabetes leaves in Jesus' name. And God's people begin to eat the fruit of what the Lord has promised them. Lord, we ask you today to help us to grow the faith that you've given us for the benefit of the world around us.